I have a question. Does anybody in here have commitment issues, commitment issues? Yeah, if you're sitting next to your spouse, don't raise your hand. Um, you know, <laughs> I, um, I've actually, uh, for most of my life, I've kind of had like the opposite, right? I've always been... Um, this like laser focused on stuff. I, I fixate um, and I'm an like all gas, no brakes kind of individual. Um, whether it was bad relationships or drug addiction, didn't matter, right? Um, I'm just gonna be um, everything, face first, all the time. Um, and uh, when I start something, uh, me personally, I kind of struggle to carry other things. Uh, my wife can attest to that. I'll start a project and, and I do really well till I start another project and then I've completely forgot about that one. Um, there's actually a bathroom I've been building in our house for seven years. Um, <clears throat> that's not even a joke. I don't know why you guys are laughing. Um, I'm getting close to being finished though. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but <laughs> tonight, tonight what I want to do is I want to wrap up our called out series. Um, I want to wrap it up. And we've talked about several things, right? We've talked about answering the call, right? Jesus calls us to respond to him and, and to be disciples and to be receptive. And, and that, if you call yourself a Christian, you had to respond. That, that's the, the, the point of salvation, the initial response to God's call. Um, and many of us walk through that door and we think it's the destination and we stop right there. And so we talked a little bit about that um, for the very first one. And, and that's where I started, right? I, I would come through these doors, but eventually I answered the call of God um, just to follow him and to love him and um, to receive the gift of salvation he's given me. And then we talked about being called out of the booth, right? And stepping out of our past, no longer being controlled by that. And then we talked about getting called out of the boat and not living a life of, of fear, right? And, um, and living one of faith, a faith-filled life. Um, and then last week we talked about being called out of the grave, right? That spiritual death um, and, and awakening and not going back to the grave. But tonight as we wrap it up, I want to talk about being all in. And the title of tonight's message is this, that it's called out all in. Um, because that's what we want to do. We want to be fully committed. And so those of you with commitment issues, there was only a handful of you. This message is really for you. Those of you who lied to me and didn't raise your hand, um, I want you guys to lean in and, and really try to take away what does it mean to be fully committed to God? To realize that that initial call, maybe the time that you raised your hand or you prayed that prayer and you journeyed with somebody, to realize that that wasn't the destination, that was the doorway. That there's something more, there's something greater to your life as we step out of the booth, right? As we step out of the boat, as we get out of the grave, there's more beyond that. And we're called to be all in, right? To be committed. And when it comes to our faith, we're called. I mean, we're called to be on that gas pedal, full speed ahead, without hesitation in our life to pursue the things of God and to forget the things of the world, right? And so we want to talk about being all in. As we open up tonight, um, I want to start in Acts Nine, um, Acts nine, and, and we're gonna talk about being all in for Jesus, for his church, and for your new life with him. Acts nine, uh, verse one is where we wanna start. And we're gonna look at a story. This is going to be our key passages for tonight. Um, but we're gonna look at a story that many of you are probably familiar with, and it's the conversion of Saul. And so Acts nine, verses one through two, it says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill 
the Lord's followers. And, and I want to pause right there. Um, this Saul, um, he was a Pharisee. He describes himself as a Pharisee among Pharisees, right? Um, that was a religious um, leader in the community. He had a place of stature among the Jews in the synagogue, right? He would have been well respected. Uh, we know from a previous, a few um, <laughs> chapters before this, that he was complacent um, in the murder of Stephen, um, one, of, uh, one of the followers of Jesus, right? A, great, a man of great faith as they murdered him. And so here he is uttering threats with every breath, eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation um, in the arrest of any followers of the way. That's Christians. That's what they were called there, followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem and changed. So here was a man who hated Jesus, right? He thought that it was blasphemy. He thought that Jews were being led astray. He thought that this was um, a cult, that it was devastating to the community, um, right? It was a threat to his way of life. It was a threat to his position. And, and he wanted to do something about it. He was a man of action. He was all in. He was all in on his commitment to destroy the church, when we look at verse three, it says this, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, right, a mission, a commitment, something he was faithful to seeing through, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's being called out to by Jesus in this moment on his mission, on his way, fully committed to carrying out the atrocities against the way, the church, he encounters Jesus. That's what we talked about in week one, right? That initial call. And it says this, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Say must do. I like that. Jesus is not messing around, right? He knocks him down and says, listen, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm done with what you're doing. I'm going to tell you what you must do. Um, any parents in here? Any parents? Um, yeah, there we go. Get the hands up, right? You tell your child that there's something they must do. Um, I mean, that's not Greek for something else, is it? I mean, it's not like, hey, if you get around to it, if you feel like it, um, right? I mean, it's it's intentional, it's direct, it's exact. If I tell one of my kids, this is what you must do, there's no confusion among them. And so Paul now is going to go into the city and he's gonna find out what he must do, what he must do. It says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias and the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. What a change in Saul's life already, right? And Saul is blinded, he's knocked down, and here he is, and he's praying to the Lord, right? Recognizing, he's beginning to respond, praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, Ananias exclaimed, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by leading priests to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. Ananias is like, uh, 
Jesus. Like, I don't know if you know who this guy is, um, but he's not doing great things right now. Um, he's kind of a threat to me and he's a threat to the church. And I still don't know about this, but the Lord, um, um, arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. He tells Ananias, listen, I've called Saul and he's responded. And I have something great for him. And and he'll find out what he must do and you'll show him, you'll reveal to him how much he'll suffer for my namesake. I don't know what you think being a Christian is. I don't know if you think it's showing up to church or recovery um, and being present for a couple hours a week. Um, I don't know, again, if you think it's going to, to Cedar Point or Cedar Point recovery. I don't know if you think it's owning a Bible, right? The one you keep on your dash um, or on your coffee table. But Christianity is a belief system. And more than that, it's a lifestyle. And, and, and Saul walked through the door, right? When he's knocked down, he calls on the name of the Lord. He says, Lord, who are you? And he goes to Straight Street and he prays to Jesus, but that was just the doorway. That was just the doorway. And that's where many of us stop, right there, in our addiction. We're knocked down, right? We're blinded, we're lost, and we cry out to God, God, do something, do something, move in my life. And God's trying to show up, and he's, he wants to show you what you must do, but you stop right there. You don't go any further. You argue with God. You're not committed. You think the doorway is the destination. And my goal tonight is to get you to do anything more for Jesus, anything more for his church. That is, you have stepped out of the booth, the boat, the grave, wherever you were at, to not stop in the doorway, but to keep moving forward and answer the call of what you must do. Because it's in the, the must do that we're healed, that we're redeemed, that we're set free in a different way, right? The first is spiritual salvation in a moment where we're saved and we have fire insurance, but God has something greater for our lives here. And it's not to be stuck in addiction, right? We learned last week, it's not to be stuck in the grave, to go back to that. It's to get out of the boat, to live a faith-filled life, and find out what we must do to move forward, right, in exciting ways, to be obedient, to be all in to the call that God's placed on our life. And so my goal tonight is to get you to do anything, say anything, get you to do anything for Jesus, anything for the church, to stop being complacent, to stop being a spectator, to stop being a pew sitter, stop showing up week after week, not being engaged, but to do anything for the kingdom, to do anything for Jesus. Jesus told Paul, you will be told what you must do. So what must we do? What must we do for Jesus? So what did Paul do? He gave up everything. He was a respected member of his community. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He had position, he had power, he had authority, he had people's ears, and he gave it all up to carry out the mission of the church and to spread the good news regarding Jesus. And in fact, over time, we see how his demeanor had changed. Right in the beginning, we see somebody who was complacent with the murder 
of, of Stephen, um, we see somebody who is uttering threats under his breath against the church. When we look at Paul in Romans 1.1, he says this, this is a letter from Paul, a slave, say a slave, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle, sent out to preach the good news. Philippians 1.1, this is a letter from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. Titus 1.1, this letter is from Paul, a slave of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Philemon 1.1, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus. Paul's attitude changed. His perspective changed. He he stepped out of, of that past life. He stepped into something beautiful and he was fully committed to what God had called him to do. And so how do we get to the place that Paul was? Because I don't know about you, but that's the attitude I want to have. I've been a slavery to addiction. I've been a slavery to this world, right? To the impulses of my flesh. I've been a slavery to that. But I'm ready. I desire to be a slave of Christ Jesus, right? To carry out his plan, his purpose, his mission. How do we get to the place that Paul was? I want us to look at three things that Paul did to be all in, to be fully committed. Three things that I, will help, that I think will help set us up for success. And so as we start, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 is where we're gonna start. Um, 1 Corinthians was a letter to the church in Corinth. Um, it was written to address sin that had crept into the church there and was beginning to overtake them. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I said verse 24, I want you to actually start in verse 19. Um, so 9.19, it says, even though... I am a free man with no master. I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. This is Paul talking here again. He says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring Christ to those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles, who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And so Paul is basically saying, he's listening, he's like, anything short of sin, I'm gonna do to reach those that are far from God. I'm gonna be all things to all people. In verse 22, it says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Say everyone. Everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessing. And 24, he says, don't you realize that in, every, that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So I run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose, say purpose. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline, say discipline. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, 
I myself might be disqualified. Paul didn't accidentally do great things for the church. He didn't accidentally write two-thirds of our New Testament, right? He didn't accidentally plant church after church after church that saw numerous, countless people saved. He didn't accidentally serve Christ from a place that, that he allowed himself to be a slave to God. He didn't accidentally do great things for God. He disciplined himself and he trained with purpose. And that's point number one, that he disciplined himself and he trained with purpose. What, what happens is we step through the door, right? We answer the call and maybe you're stepping out of addiction, but, but you don't do anything beyond that, right? You show up here for a few hours or an hour a week, not even a few hours, right? I'm not allowed to preach that long. Um, you read a couple verses off the screen here and, and you talk to some people and, and you go about your way, but you're not disciplining yourself. You're not training yourself. And then you wonder, hey, why, why is nothing changing? I mean, is there anything to this church thing? Is there anything to this Jesus fella? Like, I, I mean, I, I showed up, um, I raised my hand, I stepped through the door. I still struggle though, what, what's going on? And, and what we're missing here is that we need to discipline ourselves and train. Discipline ourselves and train. Now this coming Sunday, um, I'm gonna do a, a short distance to triathlon race. And um, a year and a half ago, I could not run a mile. Couldn't run a mile to save my life. It, it was miserable. Running still is awful. You people who say there's something called a runner's high, uh, you're high, you're just high, that's what it is. Um, but it's, it's, it's terrible. But my oldest son wanted to do this. He's like, dad, I want to do this. And, and so I was like, I'll do it with you. And so um, what did I begin to do? I began to train and um, had some things go on, kind of set me back. And I got back into it this year. And, um, but it's taken time, right? It's taken commitment. I have time set aside every single week. There's certain days that I do certain things um, so that I could prepare for this because I'm not just going to show up and, and accidentally find success in this, right? Um, it's not an impossible feat, but it's a difficult feat, right? It, it's, it's not something that I can't accomplish, but it's something that requires discipline and training. And, and when I mentor people and counsel them and disciple them one-on-one, -on -one, I try to tell them that you can have a good marriage, but it requires discipline and training. You can, you can have sobriety in your life and God will give you the power. It requires discipline and training. And that sounds weird. That sounds off and we don't want to put in the work. But Paul did. That, that's how Paul was all in. He was all things to all people. He was intentional. He disciplined himself and he trained for it. It, it, was, it was a part of his life because it was a part of his life's mission. And you have the same choice. You have the same option. I don't know what it is you want from God, but odds are if it lines up with God's word and God's will, it's obtainable, right? God's not gonna keep something from you that, that his word says he'll give you. And God says he'll give us a lot, right? Romans, Romans 6 talks all about that freedom from sin. Well, that includes lust and that includes addiction, right? That, that we can be broken free from that. God's word tells us that we can be new creatures, new creations. And so God's word talks about a new life that we can live. One that's in slavery to righteousness, but it requires discipline and training. So are you ready to answer God's call? To, to find out what you must do, not what you accidentally do, 
but what you purposely pursue day in and day out where you set aside time to pursue God, to be in his presence, to grow in what he has for you. Because you must discipline yourself and train with purpose for a purpose, for God's purpose. Saul, who became Paul, understood this. And he wasted no time training and pursuing what God has for him. So again, point number one, if we're gonna be all in, we need to discipline ourselves and train with a purpose. Um, let's begin to look at point number two. We're gonna be in Philippians chapter four. Um, Philippians is one of four of Paul's prison epistles. And what we mean by that is Paul wrote them while incarcerated. Now, this wasn't for like knocking over a liquor store or something, right? It was for preaching the good news. I actually knew somebody one time who justified going to jail because Paul went to jail. Completely different things, all right? If you get arrested for preaching out on the streets, that's one thing, right? If it's for possession or DUI, that's another, right? That's not godly. Um, but this is one of Paul's prison epistles um, written to um, the Philippians, um, actually near the end of his Roman imprisonment around the year AD 61 or 62. Um, and so again, I want to emphasize Paul's in prison. And this is not Rogers County bed and breakfast. And, and that place isn't any fun, but this was worse. Worse than you can imagine, right? Human rights didn't exist during this time. They could do whatever they wanted. And so Philippians 4, verse 8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Now again, Paul's in prison. He's talking about the God of peace being with him. And still even in this moment, Paul is in prison for being all in, for, for preaching the good news. And what's he telling people? Be like me, be all in. Fix your thoughts on what is true and right and admirable and pure, and then God will be with you. And don't lose sight, don't lose focus, be committed. He goes on, he says, how I praise the Lord that you were concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. I've known people who have been incarcerated for significant amounts of time. They're always in need. I get lots of phone calls. Hey, can you send me $20? I know some of you guys know them people, right? I mean, there's needs in there, right? And Paul's like, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Not that I was ever in need. For I have learned how to be content. Say content. How to be content with whatever I have. That's hard. Um, I, I feel like I'm never satisfied. My, work, my wife can attest to that. She says, every time I buy something, I start talking about the next thing I want. Uh, whether it's guns, I love guns. I'm a huge gun person. I buy one gun, and before I even, even shoot the thing, um, I'm talking about the next one I want. She's like, your list of guns is endless. And then I got into mountain biking, and that's very expensive um, and ridiculous. And um, apparently bikes are like guns. Just like you need a gun for every occasion um, in different scenarios, you can actually buy a bike for every occasion in different 
scenarios too. And they're, they're more expensive than my guns. And as soon as I get something with that, um, she's like, here you are, you're talking, you just got something like, you just, you're never content, you're never satisfied. Um, and I'm sure none of you can relate to that. Um, but Paul says here, he says, I've learned how to be content. He's in prison, everything taken away. He's nearing the end of his life. And, and somebody as spirit-filled as Paul, I'm sure is quite aware that the curtain is closing on his life. And he's saying, I'm content. I'm good. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live with almost nothing or everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or with little. You see, his satisfaction in life came from serving God's purpose. He was content because he wasn't concerned about the world. And point number two is this. He was content and placed God's will above his own. Paul was all in. Paul was fully committed. Paul lived in a way that, that we can only imagine, at least most of us, right? He worked. We, we see that evidence of that in scripture, right? He did not have a job. I mean, we see that not only did he share the gospel, he was a tent maker, right? And so he worked to support himself. He worked to spread the gospel. He did all of those things, but he was content. It wasn't about power. It wasn't about authority. It wasn't about position, right? He wasn't trying to get the, the, the brand new camel um, so that he could show everybody else that their camel sucked or something, right? You know, he wasn't about that life. Right? He was just content. He was content with what he had. And he placed God's will above his own. How much could we learn from that? I was driven to a whole nother level of addiction just by pursuing money. Right? And wanting to have the nice house. And wanting to have the nice truck. And there's nothing wrong with nice things. But it can't be our center right? It can't be our focus. Some of you are all in on jobs and work, and you talk about how you can't make it to church on Sunday. You can't make it to church on Monday. You can't serve, and you, you drop your responsibilities and your commitment, but you got money in the bank. Congratulations. That'll do you real, real well in eternity. You're all in on the wrong thing, and the only thing it does is open the door back to addiction, back to depravity, back to a bad relationship, right? We have to be all in. We have to prioritize. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with success. I think God's people should be successful. God's word says that we should work as if we're working unto the Lord, right? So it's important to God. God's word says that those that don't work don't eat, right? So that's important, but it's not priority. Priority is showing up to the church, right? You should not forsake the gathering. It, it, it's, it's serving people, right? We should love and serve God's people. God's word says that those should be priorities. And if we're gonna be all in, if we're gonna break the cycle of addictions, right? The chains that have kept your family down decade after decade, generation after generation, then we have to be all in. We have to learn to be content and to pursue God's will above our own. In any time, Anytime you sacrifice the things of God for the things of the world, you've missed it. You've missed it and you're pursuing failure. Paul was all in and he understood. He, he was content and he placed God's will above his own. 
Philippians 4.13, you guys will know this first, but maybe you didn't know the context above it. It says this, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've seen so many use that out of context as they pursue things of the world. Paul was saying in the context of, as I pursue God and sacrifice everything, I can do all things because Christ gives me strength, right? That's the context there. That's where we miss it. We've got to learn to be content and place God's will above our own. Um, Let's look at Galatians. Galatians chapter one, verse six, as we begin to close, I've kind of Drawing this out a little longer. I'm supposed to be getting in trouble tonight. That's okay. Um, <laughs> and so Paul, um, he wrote Galatians from a place of frustration. Um, false teachers had kind of crept into um, the churches in the area. And so um, he was dealing with, with heresy, and um, which is, you know, incorrect teaching and doctrine. Um, and so he, he was coming from a place of frustration. And so... Um, Paul had a choice, though. Paul had a choice. He could do what was becoming popular, which was the heretical things, right? The things that the way culture was swaying, or Paul could stand for what was true and what's right. And this may be a surprise to you. That's not always popular. What's true and right is not always popular. Um, But Paul stood for that. Galatians 1, uh, verse 6, it says this, I am shocked that you were turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. That could be written to the church today. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've, I've counseled and ministered to that I've brought them in, right? And, and they're doing so good. And then they come up with some nonsense in their head or some person on YouTube said this or that and they completely abandon truth. And like we talked about last week, they go back to the grave, back to the tomb. Um, like a you know, dog goes back to their vomit. Um, Ball saying like, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm surprised how soon you abandon God. Um, but in verse nine, he says, Let's, let God's, curse fall on anyone, including us or even angel, um, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say it again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one uh, you welcomed, let that person be cursed. And Paul's saying, listen, the truth is what matters. The truth, and, and he was willing to stand for it in spite of what people might do or say in this instance. And in verse 10, he says, obviously, say obviously. 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 I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Now, I know Facebook and Instagram did not exist in Paul's time, but Man, could that ever apply there, right? Keeping up with the Joneses and, you know, you got to take the perfect picture and you got to have the nice things and and show off what you're doing, take all the vacay photos, all that stuff. Um, Why? So people will think better of you. And and that becomes our focus, right? What what do my neighbors think? What do the people at work think? 
what does the person who I'll never meet in the Starbucks line think as I drive through in, in my nice car or I step in with my nice shoes and my designer bag, right? It becomes a focus. Again, there's nothing wrong with nice things. I like nice things, but it cannot be the pursuit. It, it cannot be the focus. We get so caught up in pleasing people, whether it's that, whether it's um, bending on our principles, <laughs> bending on the truth, right? I don't, I don't want people to think I'm weird, so I'm not going to talk about Jesus. The heck with that. I want people to think I'm crazy, right? <laughs> I mean, I, they've already thought it before. Be bold for your faith. Be bold for it. I gave up a profitable business to come into ministry. Everybody thought I was insane. Every, my own dad said, and he, he was just concerned about me. He's like, you're not gonna make any money. You're not gonna make any money. I'm like, so what, right? If pleasing people was my goal, <laughs> I wouldn't belong to Christ, right? And, and we have to live that way. When we step out of addiction, people that were close to me who were not friends, but I thought were, were upset that I quit drinking, quit getting high, right? But pleasing people couldn't be my goal. I, I ticked off whoever I could. No, I'm not gonna go do that anymore. I'm not gonna be about that life. I'm not gonna do those things. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Pleasing people is not my goal. If pleasing people, pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. He did not live to please man. He feared God more than he concerned himself with people. And if we wanna be all in, that's what we have to know and understand. We have to fear God more than we concern ourselves with people. You will likely, I guarantee you, will upset people in your world as you choose to be all in. I'm gonna take it a step further. If you did not or do not upset somebody in your circle for the way that you love and pursue Christ in the church, you're probably missing it. Right, it, it should be disruptive to the life that you're coming from, right? If you're stepping out, it should disrupt it all where people start to ask questions, start to wonder what you're doing. Hopefully somebody calls you weird. That's a good thing, right? In that context, I mean, some of you are just weird, but in this context, it's a good thing, right? He feared God more than he concerned himself with people. Proverbs 29 and verse 25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Don't concern yourself with what others think if you're walking out God's plan and God's purpose, right? If you're pursuing him, if you're all in, don't concern yourself with others. Just concern yourself with God. I want us to do this tonight. Um, just right where you're at, if you would bow your head, if you would close your eyes and and as you've thought about these messages, right, you've thought about the places that we've journeyed over the last few weeks, I want you just to begin to spend a moment with him. Here in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you're ready to be all in, but I want you to pray. So just spend the next 30 seconds to a minute just praying to God. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to reveal something to you and prepare your heart and your mind to commit tonight to something significant.
But this is not a call to salvation. It's a call to commitment. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to be all in, I want you to throw your hand up right now and say, God, that's me. I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to be all in. I'm ready to pursue everything you have for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for everyone who raised their hands tonight, everyone who's committed to be all in. Father, I pray that you would give them boldness, that you would give them courage, that you would strengthen them in their pursuit of you, their pursuit of all things about you and for you, God, that you would open their eyes and their ears to your plan, to your purpose, God. Strengthen them, God. Encourage them towards the things of God. Allow them to push past discomfort. Allow them to push past other people, to fear you above all else and be wholly committed to you. And I thank you, God, for their commitment tonight. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. And so we're called... We're called not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So we've got some action steps again for you tonight. These have been the same every week because they're difficult and because I don't trust you guys are doing them. So I'm just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> Number one, spend time in prayer asking God what he's calling you to. And the second part's difficult. Listen for his response, right? Do less talking in your prayer sometimes. We can all benefit from that, right? Um, my wife says this, that I should listen as much as I talk, or maybe I say that. Maybe I say she should listen as much as she talks, something like that, but it's teasing, honey. But in prayer, we should, right? Sometimes you just need to shut your mouth and listen to God and just be quiet, still yourself. Number two, verify, say verify. Verify what you're hearing with God's word. That means open your Bible, right? Open your Bible, read it. Say, God, you're saying this to me. Can I find it in your word? Verify what God's saying with his word. Remember that God will not contradict himself. He will not contradict himself, not even for you. Not even for you. He will not contradict himself. And number three, follow him as he leads you out of mediocrity and on to greater works. Jesus is calling every one of us, every single one of us, are you ready to answer the call and do great things? Are you ready to break away from the addiction, the depravity of your life and move on to greater works? And so everything we talked about tonight, it begins with a relationship with Jesus. That's the initial call we talked about five weeks ago, right? Answering the call of Jesus. And so if you're in here tonight, that's where it starts for you. And so here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down here at the front and they wanna pray with you and for you so that you can start a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. Answer the call, step through the doorway so you can see what's next. And maybe you're in here and you, you've been at the door before. Maybe you've been in the doorway, you passed the threshold, but you went back to the grave. If that's you, tonight's the night to recommit. So if you're in here and you wanna recommit, same offer stand. We're gonna have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can come back home. And then maybe you need prayer. Like God's been, he's saying that right there. You're not committed because that's more important than me. If that's you and you're ready to set something down and be wholly and fully committed to God's plan and purpose, I want, I want to encourage you here in just a moment to come pick up one of these white chips. It's just a piece of plastic, but it signifies so much more when we step out of our seats, when we act in faith and commit to let go of something and give it to God. So if that's you, I wanna encourage you to come pick one of these up. And then lastly, 
if you just need prayer. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. It doesn't have to be for salvation. It doesn't have to be over anything. Maybe you just need somebody just to pray over you. If that's you, this is a house of prayer, and we want to do that. So for any of those things tonight, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to step out of your seat, come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.